if you compare water to any other drink, you're gonna look me in. My, okay, milk is worse, but you're gonna look Whoa. me in the eye. Whoa! <laughs> you're gonna look me in the eye and tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> wow, water's fantastic. No, water's water is superior boring. to any diet soda. First of all, okay, you're wrong because diet soda almost always tastes nearly identical to the original. <laughs> That's where you are objectively <laughs> wrong. Objectively, maybe, but opinionally, <laughs> subjectively, subjectively. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And we are discussing chapter two today of Royal Assassin, The Homecoming. So this starts out with a description of Buckkeep Hold and eventually Buckkeep Castle. Um, kind of the geography of where it's laid out, that it's on cliffs by the deepest harbor in the ocean, um, right alongside a river that goes inland. And the town is inset in the cliffs. Yes. Um, it was put there as a defense against the Out-Islander raids and has never been taken by an enemy since Taker <laughs> came and uh, laid claim to it. So history is obviously written by the victors here mm -hmm. um, because Taker was the enemy Right. Because <laughs> it was put there to protect against out-islander raids, and he was an out-islander raider that decided to stay. Yes. So it's never been taken, and that's pretty much uh, pretty much what we got for the beginning here. Yeah. Um. Now, is there anything you wanted to point out about this? No, not really. Oh, that's really? pretty okay. much everything. I just wanted a quick note that Taker rebuilt the stronghold from timber to stone yeah um and he used black stone quarried from the cliffs themselves and am i mistaken in thinking that the skill stones are black as well i they might be but i'm pretty sure because it says that they're taken from the cliffs themselves, and I'm pretty sure the cliffs of Buck are not the skill stone that we see in the quarry. But, hear me out, this might be a little crazy, but <laughs> these are just regular stones until there's skill imbued in them, right? So theoretically, I this could be a castle made of unused skill stone. Maybe. And at least part of it, because obviously every ruler afterwards makes it a more impressive fortress, so other stones would have had to be used eventually. And we do know that in the basement there is a um, stone that Chade takes to go to Kalsingra. Uh, as Levjal. Oh, as Levjal. Yeah. But, yeah, there is one. Um, I, I'm kind of hung up on that one point that you said that I, I really don't think it's regular stone that they imbue skill in. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like a specific, like. But a specific naturally occurring stone, I would assume. Sure, but it's right by Kelsingra where huge deposits of silver in the, are in the ground. 
That is one of the areas, yes. Yeah. But we don't know if there are others. The world has completely changed since the time of the dragons. This could be a mountain of the stone. That's why so many people are skilled that come from Farseer blood. There must be some sort of skill river or at one time skill river ran through the area, maybe. Could be. Could be. But I still like the theory that they're skilled because of the elderlings fled to those two areas and then their ancestors mingled. Right. Because it's always the mixing of the bloods. But definitely could be possible. I just kind of figured it was uh, just stone from that particular quarry or special quarries like that and not like the cliffs themselves of just shoreline. Yeah, I guess I just am under the impression that anything's a quarry, a quarry before it becomes a real quarry, you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> Any mountainside has the potential. I guess I'm just like, because it's the quarry capitalized in Fitz's mind. Right. Well, that's because that's a specialized place. Exactly. And it that's has what I mean. The, right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that this isn't, a, like, there's no possible way for this mountain to have Skillstone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, wouldn't Fitz have uh, really bad effects to it? Because in the Ta- is it the Tawny Man trilogy? Um, they stay in an inn that's made out of skill stone around the base, and he is like. But that has all out of sorts memories imbued in it. Yeah, wouldn't Buckkeep have tons of memories imbued to it? But don't they of have so to do it lives? specifically? Like they have to activate it in some way? I don't know. I guess maybe not. Who's gonna activate it in that inn? <laughs> I, well, I assume that they used it from like some other pre-activated. Yeah, like <laughs> whoever made it knew what they were doing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that they specify the color stone, but maybe they're yeah. just trying to give us a picture of Dracula's mansion. <laughs> <laughs> True. I don't know. I want to I, I wanna go back into the Tawny Man and scan to see if there's a description of that stone. Because I feel like there was like rivers of like silver running through that, like just little veins of mm-hmm. little colors. And I don't That's remember fair, yeah. if Buckkeep ever got described described besides it was stone yeah so i really want to want to look into those yeah i just thought about it because i mean they don't number one know how to make the squares of knowledge the little cubes right yeah um they just know that they exist memory cubes or whatever Uh uh-huh um (laughs) and so i highly doubt taker knew how to make (laughs) artfully crafted skill stones if he even had the skill to begin with um so yeah there's no evidence that he does yeah i don't know so i'm just saying it's possible i'm not saying it's 100 percent fact (laughs) (laughs) definitely all right and then we pick up um almost all the way through fitz and burek and han's journey back to buckkeep Mm -hmm. from the mountain kingdom and then there's a little bit of flashback in the middle of this as well, and then catch up back with modern day as Robin Hobb does. She jumps mm-hmm. around a little bit as you're thinking back on memories because we are living in Fitz's head. So they are kind of lost at the moment. It's snowing super hard. It is full winter now. Snowstorm. Snow is apparently super deep mm-hmm. because... Uh, it seems that they're lost and they don't really recognize the land until Birk's like, oh, I know where we are. This is where Verity, you know, went on a hunt and we killed that deer. We chased it down to that gully and it took forever. And Fitz looks over and it's just a little indent with tops of shrubs peeking out of it. And it's like, yeah. wow, 
That's like a big gully. Yeah. <laughs> so a real there, shame. There has to be like 10 feet of snow. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah, so then Fit, it kind of snaps into focus for Fitz, and he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. First time in a long time that I know with certainty where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the only reason they're even able to figure out that much is because Hans has seen the lights flickering from Buckkeep Castle in a distance. Yeah. So barely though, like yeah. once in a while. So and he <laughs> stops everyone to say, "Do you see that?" <laughs> Which is very fair, I'm sure. After that long in snow, you would think your eyes are playing tricks on you. Right. Um. But I did want to bring up that this is kind of reminiscent of when Fitz rode with Chade to the first Forge Town. Hmm. Um, and Chade knows exactly where they're at and based on the valley. And it like is just an interesting to me, it brought back those memories. And it was interesting to see Burek now in that role. And instead of talking about the people, like equating land masses to people per se, it was more about a hunt and animals. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I just that found is that an interesting parallel. Very cool. I mean, that was where Chade had grown up. So mm-hmm. people, and then, yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. Um, And Fitz is, like, kind of talking to himself, talking out loud, and he's, like, not much farther. And Beer comes up and steadies him on his horse because he's getting weak, and mm-hmm. he's like, you'll you'll make it. Like, we're, we're making it. We're almost there. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um. And in his head, Fitz is like, it was only the second time he'd had to study me in the last hour or so. One of my better evenings, I told myself bitterly. So, he's had a rough journey. Yeah. <laughs> he is extremely sick. He's not going... It hasn't been It hasn't been great for him, let's just say. Well, I mean, it's freezing cold and he's fighting tremors and, yep. you know... I don't get, I guess it's not really illness, but he's fighting effects of poisoning, so yeah. it wouldn't be a fun I'll call journey. Him sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. And then it kind of flashes back to the start of this journey and why they became lost and why were they were traveling, mm-hmm. you know, how they were traveling. And the first city they kind of stop in from the Mountain Kingdom is Tur Lake. Yes. And they stay in an inn overnight. And Fitz kind of goes right to bed because obviously he's tired and mm-hmm. he expected Hans and Birk to be down in the common room for a multitude of hours but they came up pretty quickly mm-hmm. and Birk is really mad goes to sleep and Hans whispers to Fitz that everyone there is complaining about the farseers basically yeah. about the taxes well, levied against them the yeah some of the farseers the farseers in rule right now mm-hmm um, complaining about the taxes that, yeah, we have to pay all of these taxes and it doesn't even help anything because the raiders are coming in, you know, yeah. late fall and throughout winter and, and, and stuff like yeah, that. They're so. killing people anyway. Yep. So why would we even want to pay this? Right. Which is such a gross view of the world. Like, it's not affecting me and I don't see a difference and people are going to die anyway, so let's just let them die. Right. Is a horrible way to look at things <laughs> but i mean some people do think that way yeah. so 
He learns that two more towns have been um, burned and uh, raided. Mm-hmm. And Hans had paused and uncertainly added, but they speak uncommonly well of Prince Regal. He passed through here, escorting Ketrikin back to Buckkeep. One man at the table called her a great white fish of a wife, fit for the coast king. And another spoke up, saying that at least Prince Regal bore himself well despite his hardships, and looked ever as a prince should. Then they drank to the prince's health and long life. So, obviously Regal's been working his magic for a long time, right. adding on to what his mother has done, mm-hmm. separating themselves from the coast, right? strengthening the inner duchies, and really poisoning them against the Coast King. Mm-hmm. They don't even, like, talk of shrewd, really. Right. <laughs> Ugh. It's yeah. definitely interesting. I thought it was interesting that he said uncommonly, they speak uncommonly well of Prince Regal, which leads me to believe that he's not really that well spoken of anywhere else, because Hans doesn't know, I assume, what Regal did. He doesn't as far as we know, Not for sure. Fully, at least, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't know that Regal tried to. Well, he knows that Regal called for Fitz's death for treason, but he doesn't know that he went out of his way to try to murder Fitz. He doesn't right. know like the depth of Regal's treachery, and so that leads me to believe that while people don't openly criticize Regal, I'm sure, although maybe they do talk about his spending habits and how he doesn't care about the coasts, I'm sure. They still, he's still royalty. They're still not gonna talk too badly about him. And Hans spends most of his time in the coastal duchies in general, so I don't know mm-hmm. if he's ever spent much time inland. Right. So he might be seeing for the first time like that actual political divide of, yeah, they actually really like only him here. Yeah. Um, so that might be like a little introduction to him for him about right, what's going on, kind of what's going on and like the tensions that he's seeing with Burek and Fitz talking about the royal family and trying to avoid topics mm-hmm. probably in front of him, but him still getting the gist of things because they've been together for multiple months. So. Right. <laughs> um, and Fitz learns that it was Whalejaw and Silt Bay that got raided and... Darkness settled darker around me, and I lay watching it all night. So Fitz has that confirmed mm-hmm. that he was, you know, watching Silt Bay. Right. And a confirmation that if Molly was there, which he thinks she was, he wasn't mm-hmm. sure, but he thinks she was, that that was actually a raid and Molly was there and he doesn't know what happened to her. Right. Right. I also wondered, too, while reading this, if this was a way to confirm to Fitz that it wasn't a dream that he had, that it was actually skilling. Because, I mean, he's super unsure of himself and his skilling abilities. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he was maybe putting off this idea of like, oh, it's just a bad dream, but it really kicked sense into me of, you know, things aren't as bad as I think they are for me. And also, like, if something is happening I need to be there to help. And so I wonder if this was like, okay, yeah, no, Molly actually might really be in danger. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, deep down, Fitz knows it wasn't a dream, but he could definitely delude himself (laughs) into thinking it was, I'm sure. Right. 
Um, but at the end of the first book, it does mention that Verity reached out a couple times during this journey. We don't get right. a close-up scene of that. Um, mm-hmm. We got as close to that scene and those conversations as we could the last book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has been able to skill a little bit, or at least have contact through the skill a couple times on this journey. Right. Um, but yeah, the King Street thing was the first thing, and the first time he's fully like taken control of another body. Right. So, must have been very odd for him, and mm-hmm. easily pushed aside. <laughs> um, and they leave the next morning, and they start traveling overland. And Fitz is very confused why, and he's just like, he's complaining like, why don't we just take you know the river like we were planning on doing, and. Eric gets just super mad at him. <laughs> right. Because Fitz is just, he's not really thinking. Birk reprimands him and, mm-hmm. and puts it into focus for him. Birk was actually, like, sharp here and, like, you know, he, he had enough critical thinking to put two and two together of, mm-hmm. like, okay, do you want to die? Uh-huh. <laughs> Fitz, nothing has changed. You're still a royal bastard, and Prince Regal still regards you as an obstacle. He's tried to be rid of you, not once, but twice. Do you think he's going to welcome you back to Buckkeep? No. Even better for him if we never make it back at all. So let's not make easy targets of ourselves. We go over land. And that's kind of how they end up in uh, the woods, walking around. Yeah. I thought this was really interesting. I mean, I typically don't think of Burek as someone with a court mind. Like, he stays out of it, he's in the stables, and I know that he understands how court life works and that he seems overall disinterested in being part of it, but this is a really good instance of he seems to have needed to use this type of thinking before. Yeah. And maybe that's training from chivalry, maybe the thought processes from that and maybe he just is a lot smarter than i typically give him credit for not that i think he's a dumb man in any way but i never think of him as someone reading situations the way chade would per se right um so i thought this was a really cool insight of eric is very capable and a lot of what he does probably has more behind it than just i'm a grouchy old man living in a barn (laughs) And he's like 30-something. Uh, yeah, he is not old. <laughs> but because we read it from Fitz's view, I always think of him as like an old man. So Perpetually like 45 in my mind. <laughs> from six years old until he dies, he's always like 45. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wonder if it's like tactically thinking, like thinking of this, like uh, you mentioned, we talked about before in previous episode how he thinks that everything is a fight. Mm-hmm. until like and you you don't lose until you know one of you wins it you don't stop yeah. fighting um if he thinks of this like a battle and it's like oh they have information of where we are the enemy doesn't like us here we have to go secretly kind of thing right or if it's an actual something that he learned from chivalry or something like mm-hmm. you mentioned like intrigue yeah mind i i really want to know more of his mindset and how he thinks of these things yeah it would be nice to know yeah because he's not, he's not dense by any means. No. But he's also not the most insightful person all the time, so. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fitz 
comes back to this conversation. He's like, wouldn't Verity protect us? Like, Regal can't attack us yet. Like, come on. Come yeah. on, Beric. A little naively. Um, and once again, he has to get it hammered into his head from Beric that you're a king's man and Verity is your king in waiting. You protect your king, Fitz, not the reverse. Not that he doesn't think well of you and would do all he could to protect you, but he has weightier matters, matters to attend. Red ships, a new bride, a younger brother who thinks the crown would sit better on his own head. No, don't expect the king in waiting to watch over you. Do that for yourself. And that's a good reminder of a lesson and also um, really hammers in Beric's self-sufficient like lifestyle. Mm-hmm. He, Beric really thinks that you, you should be able to do everything on your own unless you're too weak to stand up or walk and then get someone to help you, force right. you to stay in bed, and then you are then you can get back on your feet, feet to do it all your own again faster. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it it's good for Fitz to be reminded this, but also like... Kind of sad. It's sad and it puts more distance in between another person who is his mentor. Right. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean it is it is a good thing to remind Fitz because I don't think he's really taking seriously how close to death he came. Right. Because he didn't die and so I think it's a little bit of being young uh and death can't touch you <laughs> when you're young. Um and a little bit of just not truly wanting to believe that he's in danger maybe. But it just is real I don't know. It is sad because mm-hmm. it does put that wall up, but it is needed. And I am grateful for Burek for reminding <laughs> Fitz. <laughs> this whole chapter is pretty much reminding us that Fitz has been away from Buck for a while. Mm-hmm. And his thoughts are not his normal thoughts right. at the moment. It all kind of culminates at the end. And Burek again has to remind him of you know, think how you always have before because mm-hmm. we're back in the lion's den kind of thing. Right. Um, but this is just small examples leading up to to that end of this chapter. And it's just like, come on, Fitz, get your edge again. Right. You know. Which is really interesting. This is kind of like uh, Dreary and It from Stephen King. <laughs> the further away he gets from Buckkeep. <laughs> the more he forgets about his life and it happens over and over again. He like always gets soft whenever he leaves Buckkeep. So. Cause I think he doesn't want to be on edge all the time. True. I mean, it wouldn't he be wants fun. That normal life and to forget about it, even if it's yeah. bad for him to do so, he just wants to get away. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily a way to self persevere. No, that's not right. It's not self preservance friendly i can't think of a way to phrase that yeah i don't know i don't know whatever (laughs) um so they uh they have a little discussion about regal then after this and um and he says regal would have would have to be crazy to try to kill us again everyone would know he was the murderer Eric reminds him, again, not crazy fits, just ruthless. Regal is that. Let's not ever suppose that Regal abides by the rules we observe, or even thinks as we do. 
Which brings back to mind the fool's warning that he gave mm-hmm. before Fitz left for the Mountain Kingdom. Um, don't judge someone else by your own bushel of wheat or whatever yeah. whatever he said. Whatever cryptic saying he said by... <laughs> like, don't assume that somebody else measures their own stuff by Your how bushel. you measure yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regal, if Regal sees an opportunity to kill us, he'll take it. He won't care who suspects so long as, so long as no one can prove it. Verity is our king-in-waiting, not our king. Not yet. While King Shrewd is alive and on the throne, Regal will find ways around his father. He will get away with many things, even murder. True. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah. And we got, um, I mean, we just got done with saying that Beric wasn't super insightful, but like, he knows the lay of the land. He knows what's going on with this <laughs> situation. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. To be honest, I don't see how the train of thought could be, well, Shrewd's letting him do whatever he wants, but surely Verity won't, as though Verity didn't just let him get away with murder, so... Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have very... Had everything gone to plan and Verity still be around at the end, I don't have very high hopes that he would have been able to rein Regal in, so... But Beric's a little bit more hopeful than than I... <laughs> And they journeyed on towards Buckkeep, bundling up against the cold weather. And uh, Fitz says he tallied every extra hour between Molly and me. The only times I felt strength surge through me were during my daydreams of battering Regal into ruin. I could not promise myself revenge. Revenge was the property of the crown. But if I could not have revenge, Regal would not have satisfaction. And he vows to... Not be weak in front of Regal. Right. Not to show that he won in any way. Mm-hmm. So they make it to Buckkeep. They they know where they are. They are jumping back to the present. Well, our story <laughs> setting <laughs> present. Um, and they ride up to the gates, and it's at night. They're Eric going to the back gate. Yeah, they go to the back gates. Um... There's a young soldier who's blocking their way, and he continues to block their way even after Beric pushes his hood back from his face. Mm-hmm. So Beric is incredulous and has to announce who he is. Right. Um, and uh, there's a rush of soldiers from the guardhouse then, and um, people like here like I'm Beric. I've been a stable master here longer than you've been alive. Uh huh. Well, I'm sure he's kind of shouting at this point his voice yeah. is carrying he's been traveling a long time <laughs> he's, yeah <laughs> i mean there's a there's a part earlier that says like hans and i were shouting and beer carried on in his normal voice and it carried over everything uh-huh. so. <laughs> but also it would be smart of him to raise his voice so that other people who knew him could come right and verify yeah. <laughs> but all the all the guards kind of uh gather around him like wow yeah it is Beric. we have, didn't expect you till spring like this is awesome and Fitz kind of looks over him and sees him as the center of attention joking around you know blustering mm-hmm. with the soldiers and kind of sees him as he is but then the, he also notices like oh yeah we're wearing like really foreign garb and <laughs> it's the middle of the night it's the middle of the night yeah no <laughs> one's gonna recognize us um Blade is there. We get. I don't know if this is our introduction to Blade as a character. I think we've heard the name before, mm-hmm. but we've never like talked to him. 
right. in the story. Um, so we get Blade, uh, an old sergeant, and he pops up later as well. Um, and uh, they mentioned that the guards had heard, as a rumor, that uh, Birik was hurt bad and, quote, the bastard liked to die. Plague or poison, the rumors was. Which, like, why... I, I don't understand, like, why he speaks in, like, a colloquial fashion, like a non-proper English fashion when not a lot of people do, because he talks normally later. Right. Well, maybe it's just, like, him being loosey-goosey, it indicates that, you know, this is how he mm. speaks from where he's from. And then when um, he notices the fits and fits takes command of the situation, he's, yeah. like, it's more like, oh, proper. Gotta be, yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Code switching and all that. Yeah, definitely. Um, But I do want to point out that Burek laughs at this. He doesn't answer. He doesn't try to dispute it. Almost seems like he's trying to deflect. And then he holds out his arms that all might admire his mountain garb. And I drew a little stick figure of a guy, like, flexing his muscles. Because I feel (laughs) like that's how he's holding out his arms. It's just my mental picture that I'd like to share with you all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Fitz then asks, who said the bastard would die? Blade looks at him and says, who's asking? Didn't recognize him at all. Uh, even though Fitz grew up around there because he's in, you know, the outlandish garb, as Blade says. Mm-hmm. And, um, Fitz stand up, sits up straighter, excuse me. And Blade gave a start of recognition, and Fitz believes that he recognized Sooty before he recognized Fitz. I don't think that's true. But I don't think a guard would recognize a horse. But he's not... Probably not, yeah. He's probably not in the stables all that often. He probably doesn't really look at people's horses. There's no <laughs> indication that he likes animals a ton. Another um, self-esteem issue for Fitz, maybe? Mm-hmm. I think when he sat up straight, he, like takes a more con- commanding position and he looks so much like his father. I'm sure that helped them recognize him, even if he was thin and gaunt and just sickly looking. Yeah. <laughs> Still looks like his dad. Blade is astounded. He's like, Fitz, there's hardly half of you left. You look like you've had the blood plague. It was my first inkling of just how bad I looked to those who knew me. Who said I had been poisoned or afflicted with plague? I repeated the question quietly. Blade flinched and glanced back over his shoulder. Oh, no one. Well, no one in particular. You know how it is. When you didn't come back with the others, well, some supposed this and some that, and pretty soon it was almost like we knew it. Rumors. Guardroom talk. Soldiers gossip. We wondered why you didn't come back, that was all. No one believed anything that was said. We spread too many rumors ourselves to give gossip any credence. We just wondered why you and Birik and Hans hadn't come back. He finally realized he was repeating himself and fell silent before my stare. I let the silence stretch long enough to make it plain that I didn't intend to answer this question. Then I shrugged it away. No harm done, Blade. But you can tell them all the bastard isn't done for yet. Plagues or poisons, you should have known Birik would physic me through it. I'm alive and well, I just look like a corpse. It's very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Blade kind of immediately goes into a report about it. It's kind of nervous Uh uh, because he repeats himself. And 
Well, just his whole demeanor. He's sitting up straighter towards Blade, Fitz's, and then he continuously asks him, well, no, who said the rumor? Yeah. And he doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't get all worked up. He's just a calm and cool, like, yeah, no, I tell me right now who it is. Like an adult in front of a child when mm-hmm. they want to know something. It's just so interesting how subtle the changes in him and the way he's living through it it almost feels like this is some sort of assignment from Chade the way he's like I have to be quiet at this part to get the soldier to answer me I need to stay silent long enough to let him know I won't answer the question there's just so much like little details in there of mm-hmm. how he Blade is acting towards Fitz and to get the response he uh wants. And so I almost wonder if it's if acting like this scenario is something that Chade would have asked him to do kind of puts it in his mind of, oh, this is appropriate. I'm not acting weird. Right. It's almost like a deflection. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Um, Who do you think uh, started the rumor? Regal, <laughs> maybe not on his own. Maybe he had a henchman do it. But... Yeah, I think he has some people in the guards' rooms. Oh, it's for like sure. oh, not anybody in particular. I'm sure. Like oh, I heard like Berg's really injured and stuff up there. Oh, isn't the isn't didn't Fitz go with him? <laughs> he must be really sick or something if they didn't yeah. come back and then just kind of spread from that. Right. Um. Although I mean, I feel like. He was poisoned is regal. The plague is chade. Mm. If that makes sense. Because the plague yeah. is a really good excuse that is. to be gone. Yeah. Like, oh hey, he just got really sick and almost died. No worries. And that would give him time to rest when he comes back because he's not fully healed from the plague. Yeah. Um, whereas poison is like, oh, what did he do to get poisoned? So. Right, and also to associate poison with fits. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I mean, in people's minds, drawing that link there, get yeah. him closer associated with a poisoner. Uh-huh. And also um, bring bring to a head that the Mountain Kingdom injured some of their people up there, mm-hmm. and they have a Mountain Kingdom queen, and Build that strife. <laughs> yeah, just more divisions. Right. But uh, Blade is like, oh, I, you know, I didn't mean it that way. It's just that no harm done. Blade, let it go. And he responds, good enough, sir. And and Fitz nods and like sees Beric and hands giving him really strange looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fitz is like, well, good night to you, Sergeant. Don't chide your man with the pike. He did well to stop strangers at Buckkeep's Gate. Yes, sir. Good night, sir. Blade gave me a rusty salute. Yeah. He's taking control. Fitz. Yeah. Great job, but also don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting to hear to see him just like, well, I'm basically in control, so I'm telling you not to let that little boy get in trouble, as though he should have any authority over it. And I don't know, it's really interesting (laughs) i'm just gonna keep saying that so they go through and Beric catches him and pulls him aside and 
Fizz is kind of um, hurt by what he says because it's very straightforward. Um, it's like up here, or up up in the Mountain Kingdom, no one cares what side of the sheets you were born on. But we're home now. Here, Chivalry's son is not a prince, but a bastard. And Fitz is like, I know that. I've known it all my life. Lived it all my life. You have, Beric conceded. A strange look stole over his face, a smile half incredulous and half proud. So why are you demanding reports of the sergeant, and giving out commendations as briskly as if you were Chivalry himself? I scarce believed it, how you spoke, and how those men came to heal. You didn't even take notice of how they responded to you. You didn't even realize you'd stepped up and taken command away from me. And it's true. Yeah. Just a couple, one, one repeated question, mm-hmm. and Blade's attention was all focused. He gave him a full report of what was happening and why that rumor started. Mm-hmm. Fitz is like, don't worry about it. Don't need to reprimand your man. You know, yeah. he was doing his job. Have a good night. Yep, salute me. Thank you, sir. Go go on your way. Uh-huh. It's he doesn't even whenever he is saluted does not even point out how that's weird. Right. Yeah. He just takes it as, yeah, of course he saluted me. Um and they kind of put it to the fact that they were in the Mountain Kingdom and like that he was treated nicely up there mm-hmm. and like royalty and everything like that. Do you think that's what it is? I don't know. The Mountain Kingdom don't treat royal royalty as though they're any different than the people they're sacrifice so the idea that because because they treated him special for being chivalry's son that's what gave him an inflated ego or whatever it is that that would be the cause i just don't think so i do think it has something to do with how he was treated in the mountain kingdom but i don't think it's because they treated him special for being a prince it's because they treated him like a regular human being <laughs> and didn't call him a bastard 24-7 and remind him that he's illegitimate and that he shouldn't want to do any. Like, yeah. He shouldn't want for more than his lot in life. And I think that did have an effect. But it wasn't because they treated him like he was a prince. And I think this section shows what we're missing, what could have been someone who's naturally charismatic who can be a good leader who can get reports out of these men even though he's 15 and this is a (laughs) sergeant it just i don't know it makes me sad for what could have been but i also am sad that he is put down so much in this kingdom that he feels that he is less than because he is chivalry's son I think it was a little bit of a mix um, in the Mountain Kingdom because, yes, he was treated like a a human being, but that was mainly because he was Chivalry's son and Rurisk and Ketrakin saw him as part of the royal family. So they they brought them in. Rurisk pulled him aside and had direct conversations with him Mm -hmm. as like a man to man. I respect you kind of way Mm -hmm. that hasn't really happened in the past. And, you know, he had direct dealings with the whole royal family there mm-hmm. and was treated like an equal. Even if they are, you know, normal people there, they, in Fitz's mind, they are the royalty. So I feel like it's a combination of both. He was treated like a normal person, which he normally isn't, but he was treated by a normal person 
by the royal family there mm. because he was part of the Buckkeep royal family in their eyes. That's that's fair. I didn't think of it like that, but I like that assessment. So uh Birik is um he's proud. Yeah. He's uh half incredulous and half proud. He's he's also seeing what could have been and mm-hmm. he he saw chivalry in that moment. He saw chivalry's son in that moment and he loves it. Yeah. But also, cuz that's what he that's what he who he wanted to raise. Right. That's who that's um, exactly who he wanted to raise. That's what he always wanted for Fitz. Yeah. But but also, he's like uh you need to find your caution again. Um Yeah. Keep your eyes down and don't carry your head like a young stallion. Regal will take it as a challenge, and that's something we aren't ready to face. Not yet, maybe not ever. And Fitz is like, well, Chade's not going to be pleased that I stood out like this, mm-hmm. that I did anything like that. Um, and Birk then uh, don't, says, don't be a sluggard. Get down, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped to his tone and realized that he too was having to readjust to our comparative positions at Buckkeep. So they're going to resume their their positions. They're going to make an effort to be like Beric is the the stable head and Fitz is the runner. Mm -hmm. Which is um, a huge mending of the relationship from the Mountain Kingdom. Yeah. um, From before the Mountain Kingdom. They haven't really brought up the wit at all. Nothing's like bad has happened. Right. Between them about that. Um. They they're pretty much back to normal. They're even closer, honestly, than they were before, because there is that rift between them since Nosy had died because Fitz thought Beric had killed a dog. So they're yeah. they're even closer than they were before when they were younger. Mm-hmm. So it's and nice is, to see. Yeah, it is nice to see. Um, this next part, I don't have too much to say about it because it's just Beric going back to the stable and. You know, him and his element readjusting to everything and Fitz just being super tired from everything and just kind of lagging behind. Um, I do want to point out a few things that happen, yeah. I guess. Um, so it does say that when Burek goes through the stable, um, they can't they come to life. Um, not a horse or a dog in the whole place didn't catch his scent and rouse to give greeting. Um, which I wonder, is it really his scent they're catching? Do horses <laughs> know people by their scent? That feels like a weird thing. Um, yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, I don't could. doubt that they have better noses than humans. I mean, it's but, probably both. I right. mean, I, I would bet my whole savings, my whole life savings that they were like, chanting heart of the pack heart of the pack is here <laughs> right but that's what i mean is it really that they smelled him and they're like oh stinky old man is back or <laughs> <laughs> i mean they probably haven't showered for they since probably he was do bathed. smell pretty rank but <laughs> since he was bathed for his wound or something so <laughs> wrapped up in those mountain kingdom furs Ooh. for you know, a full month sweating Yuck. in them. <laughs> Yuck. No. Well, anyway, <laughs> maybe they could smell them. Never mind. But I'm just saying that I think that this could be more indicative of his skill or his wit um, that works even without his knowledge that he's like naturally doing. Um, but I also want to take a moment to talk about a really cute scene. Um because uh uh-huh it says his reserve 
only broke when his old hound vixen came walking stiff to greet him. He went down on one knee to hug and thump her, and she wiggled puppyishly and tried to lick his face. Now here's a real dog, he greeted her. Then he stood again. His, he continued his rounds. She followed him, hindquarters wobbling with every wag of her tail. <laughs> it's just such a fun, wholesome little picture. And I just, oh, I, I love that as hard as he is and as much as he's like, no wit, no, I'm not bonding to any more dogs, that he still loves Vixen in a non-companion way. Yeah. And even though they're, I mean kind of bonded they are bonded but in his mind he's i'm sure rationalizes it in some way it's not full from no. his side obviously no but i think it's just cute that even though she's so old she's still acting like a puppy again because he's back and mm-hmm. i don't know it makes me happy to see that he loves her too even if it's in a way that can't be full yeah and it he can't fully create the bond that he could if he wanted to but mm-hmm. It was just a cute little moment. What a good dog. Very good pup. Um, but yeah, so then Fitz is putting Sooty away. Not well. <laughs> he can't use his fingers very well because they're cold. And He's even exhausted. that, I mean, is probably a little bit because his mobility is gone with the poison yeah. effects. Um, but the warmth of the barn is making him looser it's not helping and hands comes in to offer help because he's falling asleep trying mm -hmm. to just he's just pretty much sleeping standing up Uh uh-huh because he closes his eyes to try to undo the buckle because his eyes are so tired yeah and he fitz doesn't take too kindly to hands stepping in he Mm -hmm almost takes it as an insult to himself, which I'm sure it is a little bit of an insult to his pride. Um, but I don't think hands means it like that. No, cause it's, he's self pitying here as well. Right. Cause he's Purge. like, I mean, Fitz is like, ah, take care of your own horse first. And hands is like, I, I already did. Yeah. <laughs> like everything's good to go. Mm-hmm. I tried to give you time. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hans is super, super nice to him, super kind, like, hey, you know, get some rest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's he's also treating him differently than he would, you know, before the Mountain Kingdom trip. Right. And Fitz is taking that like, oh, yeah, it's because I'm so, so I'm such a cripple and yeah, I'm so I weak. can't deal with anything myself anymore. And mm-hmm. um, Birix like standing behind him like no yeah he can definitely take care of your horse for you yeah you don't have to do it yourself (laughs) (laughs) you're falling asleep let's go (laughs) yep so which i'm glad he stepped in but fitz is not (laughs) yeah um but fitz does bring up to burek that he feels like everything's different now Mm -hmm. and it's all changed and burek kind of stops the pity party tries to not really stopping he, that I mean, pity train that's that true. Fitz is going through. <laughs> he does say, stop whining. And Burek said gruffly, stop complaining and stop pitying yourself. If Hans looked like you do, you'd do the same for him. 
Things change because time passes. Hans hasn't stopped being your friend, but you are not the same boy who left Buckkeep at harvest time. And I think Fitz needed to hear that. I think yeah. everybody kind of let him complain a little too much this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> he was very angsty. And I mean, he is a teenage boy, so. And he also is having seizures and yes. almost died. Life a is, times. is rough, admittedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that great. But he is whining a bit too much. He is the pity party has gone on for just a, a few days too long. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. Um, so I'm glad that Burek steps in and tells him, hey, knock it off. It could be worse. <laughs> like, And you would do the same if your friend was hurting the way you are. Um, but it is nice to hear him tell Fitz that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's there's a line in here while he's talking to Fitz that I kind of want to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, right after you say that he wasn't the same boy who left, uh, that Fitz was an errand boy for Verity and had been my stable boy, but wasn't much more than that. A royal bastard, yes, but that seemed of small importance to any save me. Which just, like, reinforces the idea that Beric has always seen him as Chivalry's son. Mm-hmm. And he said that to Fitz multiple times, like, you are Chivalry's blood, I am raising you to be good to Chivalry's memory, to right. follow in the correct footsteps, even if, you know, the wit is abhorred and everything like that. Yeah. He's raising fits to be in the capabilities that Beric has to mm-hmm. be you know fit for a prince or at least fit for a man that chivalry would be proud of right yeah and this line because it it's referring to the boy that had left mm-hmm. at harvest time and is not the same boy who has come back yeah or the same man who has come back because we just saw in a previous scene that other people now can kind of see that royal mm-hmm. side to Fitz. Right. He's not just the bastard. He is Sir. Right. <laughs> in certain cases. Do you think that's because of his attitude when he came back? Or do you think he went through a little bit of a growth spurt and some of puberty to where now he looks even more like chivalry? Because, you know, when somebody's young, even if they look like their parents did when they were young, it's still a child's face. But he's 15, which is around puberty age so there's a good chance that i mean he could have i guess not fleshed out because he's super withered away actually Um, i I think it's mostly attitude mainly because of that reason yeah that is barely recognizable but i think the guards would know who he is who is related to like all that whole story so Mm -hmm. they're fine treating him like he was when he was a kid but if he exerts that that royalness over their head they're gonna respond to it because they have they're duty bound to (laughs) yeah which is interesting i guess it does kind of put them in a weird spot because they don't know how do they react with them after that yeah especially if they grew up like with him as a little baby and they were adults like i don't know it would be hard to (laughs) switch your point of view but they do birk continues to say you move as chivalry's son should that is what shows in your bearing, and what those guards responded to. And hands. He took a breath and paused to shoulder the heavy kitchen door open. And I, you to help us all, he added in a mutter. So, it, I mean, that's just like a little aside. Like, Birk is following Fitz. Mm-hmm. 
yes, he attaches, you know, importance to the earring and stuff, but like Fitz's bearing has changed over the course of the last book. Yeah. He he's more commanding, he's able to be followed and people do respond to those things. Like uh just a couple not just that last scene like you said that is what could have been, but there have been you know a, a couple scenes throughout the last book and yeah. everything that showed glimpses of that as well and it's it is sad to think of, you know, what could have been if he was raised properly. Yeah. Um, but they they enter the kitchen and Birk sits him down in the guard's mess hall, feeds him some good old stew, bread, butter, cheese. <laughs> Sounds delicious. It's it cold does. weather here now. You know? It is. So we like are having cold weather. Fifty five degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I don't know what that is for Celsius. Sorry. <laughs> um but it's uh it's becoming fall here and you know Yeah. I love a good old good old soup season or stew. Mm. That Some does warm sound really bread, good right butter, now. cheese. Mm. <gasps> Meat stew. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since we talked about the food that they serve to I soldiers. So. Apparently, the food was not good in Jean Jean Pei. Jean Pei, thank you. <laughs> Apparently, the food was not good in Jean Pei because we did not hear very much about their food. Jahampi. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how I said it in my head when I was reading all the time. Yep, I also Jahampi. Jampy. Jampy. Yeah, whatever. Jampy, Jampy. It's all the same. <laughs> it's just kind of stares at the food for a while and then is like, okay, this smells really good. And then he like eats a couple bowls and he's feeling much better. Oh, yeah. You know, he was a little bit hangry. Oh, yeah. He's all pity party and he's cold <laughs> and he's probably had to eat jerky for the past several days. <laughs> and now there's fresh warm stew from Cook. And mm-hmm. well, delicious. It's got to be super good. And that always, you know, a good meal really does put you in a good mood. So, <laughs> yeah, true. Um, and after he's eaten, Birk's like, all right, now you're fit to report to the king. And Fitz is like, what? Excuse me, what? Now? Tonight? <laughs> um, but Birk makes a point like, yeah, he, he might be in bed and he might not see you, but you have to announce yourself that you're here. Like, that's mm-hmm. your job. And because uh, I'm sure Beric had to do the same things when he was Chivalry's man. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. But uh, Fitz asks, like, are you going back to the stables? And Beric's like, of course. He smiled in wolfish self-satisfaction. Me? I'm just a stable master, Fitz. I have nothing to report. <laughs> oh, he's so happy with that. Oh, yeah. He, it's so funny to him. He's like, oh, I get to go to bed. <laughs> yep. And he promised to bring food back to hand, so he's right. gathering up food to bring back as well. Um, and Fitz asks Birik about hands because, uh, we had a mention before in Fitz's mind that he was a little bit jealous of how Birik and hands were getting along and how hands occupied some of Birik's time. And he was a little bit jealous mm-hmm. of that. Like we talked before, he needs all of attention from one person that he's focused on at that point. Yes. Otherwise he feels a little left out. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fitz just kind of, I think, has become okay with the notion that of of what he's digging after in this conversation. Yeah. Because he asks, like, Beric, hey, what do you think of him? He, he doesn't ask him straight out. He's just <laughs> um, roundabout here. And Beric's like, yeah, he's a good lad. And 
he admits finally after some digging that like yes he's he's steady he takes the initiative um nobody was really keeping up the stables while i was sick and Mm -hmm. he came in and said like hey these things need to be done you need to appoint someone to lead to take over for you for right now yeah so birik did and he took care of things and he stuck around in in case birik needed anything else from somebody who was reliable and steady and could do those things Mm -hmm. and he's noticed that he's you know he's competent at his job he knows a lot he's he's doing it for the sake of the animals not just to climb and get power Mm -hmm. and birik was looking for all those things and he's kept him around and he likes that in him and has decided that yeah i think hans and i can do really well together and he can learn a lot from me and eventually not now but eventually when i pass on um from this job and retire hans can replace me yeah because we're both young enough now him young enough to learn and i young enough to teach yeah yeah and um then fitz nods and he's like you know, once I supposed he had planned that spot for me. Now we both knew it would never be. Speaking of, like, the stable master. Yeah. And Birk turns to leave, and Fitz says, Birk, no one can replace you. Thank you. For all you've done these last few months, I owe you my life. Not just that you saved me from death, but you gave me my life and who I am. Ever since I was six. Chivalry was my father, I know. But I never met him. You've fathered me day in and day out, over the years. I didn't always appreciate... Birk snorted and opened the door. Save speeches like that for when one of us is dying. Go report, and then go to bed. Yes, sir, I heard myself say, and knew that he smiled even as I did. Such a sweet little conversation. Yeah. Good little acknowledgement of, Birik, you're my dad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Birik. Yeah, and it, it's, uh, you know, Birik, it's the, the typical Birik, like, gruff, like, eh, don't get sappy on me. Mm-hmm. But he's smiling on the way right. out. Well, it probably feels pretty good to be yeah. recognized. Like, yeah, you're right, I am your dad. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Do you think Birik thinks of himself like that? Because he's so, like, this is chivalry's son and everything. I don't think he does. Yeah, I think he doesn't allow himself. In a lot in this, a lot of the same way as Fitz won't allow himself to feel love, yeah. I think Burek won't allow himself to truly be Fitz's father, you I, know? Yeah, I think Burek doesn't think he can replace chivalry in any way. Right. So he tries to put that in there. But I, th- I also think, like, this is the contradiction of Burek that... He thinks that he is to Fitz everything a father should be and is, but will never say that in his mind. He will never label right. himself like that. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I care for Fitz. I take mm-hmm. care of him. I, I raised him. I taught him everything he should know and, uh-huh. like, keep him out of trouble and, like, save him when he needs help. But I'm not his father. Right. I'm not- well, <laughs> and I almost wonder, too, if, like, it's more of a, like, well, Fitz doesn't think of me as his dad. His dad is chivalry. He knows mm. that. And I, I'm not his dad. Maybe. And it's and hearing that is like, okay, so he does care about me too. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, my son, my son is appreciative. That's good. Yeah. So, 
uh, Fitz makes his way into Buckkeep, and we see a little bit of a change here. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, well, Fitz says he's mystified by what he sees. Uh, yeah, sounds like the place was a big old mess when he left, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of gross. Did the tapestries glow more brightly than they once had? Had the strewing herbs always smelled so sweet? The carved woodwork by each doorway always gleamed so warmly? Briefly, I put it down to my relief at finally being home, which I think is somewhat true. Right. I think he is relieved, like, the the smells of, like, the sweet herbs, mm-hmm. like, oh, did these gleam so bright? Wow, this is so nice to be comfortable and home here. Right. But also, uh, I paused at the foot of the great stair to take up a candle to light my way up the chamber, and I noticed that the table there was not bespattered with wax, and more, that an embroidered cloth graced it. Ketrikin. <laughs> there was a queen at Buckheat now. I found myself smiling foolishly. So, this great fortress castle had had a going over in my absence. Had Verdi bestirred himself and his folk after her arrival, or had Ketrikin herself demanded this vast scrubbing out? It would be interesting to find out. Ancient sit marks above each sconce were gone. Um, corners of not even the corners of the steps held dust. There's no cobwebs. Yeah, which candelabras were lit and full and bright. So it's Dracula's castle, pre-Ketrigan. It's a scary black... It's lived in. It's, there's, no. There's dogs no. in the Great Hall. There's, you know... No. Lived in. Gross. I cannot Reminds me imagine. of our place, huh? No, we are not that bad. No. Oh, yuck. I can't... Oh. Spiderwebs were a regular occurrence. Mm-mm, no, thank you. It's it's uh, it's also October, so you know it's definitely Dracula's, Dracula's castle. Yeah. Do you think it was uh, Ketrikin or Verity, or Ketrikin. Jade, or Shrewd? Ketrikin. Um, have you seen Jade's room? <laughs> I don't think it looks clean. I think it's Ket. We know Ketrikin is a pretty clean person throughout the rest of the book or series. It's brought up again and again that she cleans and. Chade hates her in his space because she always tries to clean up. Oh, yeah, I think true. it's mentioned more than once. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's all Ketrikin. I think she took one look and was like, you're taking me to this dump? Mm, no. See, I think there's a possibility it was Verity. Like, mm. after after the um, putting himself in her mind, stepping mm-hmm. forward, like, realizing, oh, okay, like, I could actually respect her and like her and yeah. Maybe I should put some effort. It's winter, so he's not skilling every day. Um, and like when he when she arrives and stuff, and they like first meet and everything. I can, I there is some feeling there. I mean, Faraday There's isn't not a necessarily, lot later, but like yeah. I think there is some. Mm. So I feel like oh maybe maybe we should make it nice like it was when my mom was alive, kind of thing. <laughs> that that's fair. You know? And Verity's not necessarily a messy person. It seems like his chamber's always put together, though yeah. he does have servants, so who knows. Um, but I, it could have been Verity. I just feel like he's let everything go to this point. So why would it matter? I Even if he did want it, like, to, like, I don't know fair, if that he's would... been, like, for a full year, he's been skilling. sequestered into right. his tower. <laughs> but he has been king and waiting before needing to True. fight the red ships, yeah. and he hasn't ever taken initiative to order a cleaning before that we know of so i don't know 
maybe it was to honor his mom and to make it more lively for her, but I have a feeling it was mostly Ketrigan. <laughs> Fitz uh, climbs the stairs, makes his way to Shrewd's chamber, and sees the guard outside there. And the guard recognizes him, mm-hmm. and he knows the guard. Um, He's known the guard since he was six. Yeah. Blade didn't recognize him. It was dark outside, but right. uh, this guard does recognize him right away. Um, which kind of, like, it, it's glossed over in the first book, but they he does talk and report to Shrewd quite often over the years. Yeah. For certain things that we don't really see, and it's just kind of mentioned in a sentence or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but he must have seen this guard for, you know, a long time. Regularly. So. Yeah. yeah, regularly. Um, and he allowed me a brief smile as he asked, anything critical to report fits? Only that I'm back. And he nodded sagely. He's used to my coming and going here, often at some very odd hours. But he was not a man to make assumptions or draw conclusions, or even speak to those who might. So he steps in, um, steps out again, and says that the king would summon me at his convenience, but also that he was glad I was safe. I stepped quietly away from his door, making more of his message than if those words had come from any other man. True never mouthed polite nothings. Which I thought was nice as well. Like, Shrewd is actually, you know, mm. glad that he's safe. And was it Shrewd? I think so. What I do you feel think like, we're... so I think that this mystery doorman who doesn't get a name, um, stepped in, saw the king was sleeping for once, he's been ill. Mm-hmm. Was like, okay, I better not bother him. Came back and was like, oh, you know, and like said something he thought a grandfather would say to his grandson. Or maybe it was like, oh, I'm glad he's safe, so obviously the king's glad. I think it was more of just, uh, he's asleep, so the king will call you at his convenience, and he's glad you're safe. (laughs) You think so? Yeah. Because right after, like right before that, it says, he was not a man to make assumptions or draw conclusions or even speak to those who might. Like, So I feel like he wouldn't fill in any messages if he's that much of a man of duty and like, I'll do exactly what the king says. Like, I don't, I feel like he wouldn't fill in words for him. That's fair. But I mean, I think there's a difference in making assumptions on whether a child is an assassin or has nefarious reasons to be somewhere and telling someone their grandpa said, glad you're home safe when they're asleep. I don't know. But also like if he's used to Fitz reporting stuff to the king directly, when he like he doesn't know if his mission was critical or anything like that right well but also he asked if fitz had anything critical and fritz was like that's true nope just that i'm home yeah that's <laughs> so true it didn't it wouldn't seem as though especially if he's not making assumptions that this is imperative i don't know i don't know maybe it was shrewd and i'm just being callous because i don't think shrewd cares about fitz but <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um I mean, he could just say, like, he was glad I was safe, as in home and, you know, not dying somewhere in a different country so he can use him still. True. Like, okay, cool. I have another thing at my disposal. Fair enough. Or maybe it was Jade. Could have been Jade. That's what I was thinking, too. But also, I don't think he would be seen, allowed to be seen by the guard unless... Well, no, even with, like, his web or whatever, they don't know who Chade is. Mm-hmm. But if he was sitting at the king's chair by the fire or something while the king's asleep in the bed and they don't see the bed, they could think it was him. Because who else would be in the king's chamber if nobody came in through the true. front door? Yeah, that's true. Could so. be. 
and they're brothers, so I assume they sound similar. My mom and her sister sound identical, <laughs> so <laughs> except one has more of a southern accent than the other. But I mean, <laughs> on the phone you can't tell. So maybe, maybe it was true. Yeah, it, or, or Jade. Yeah, it might have been. <laughs> um, he also checks in with Verity's chambers, and the guard is like, "Oh, he's not in his chambers." Fitz is like, "Oh, in in the tower then? It's winter. Like, why would he be up there?" And <laughs> And the guard just kind of smiles and repeats, he's not in his chambers. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> for a moment longer, I stood stupid as a post. <laughs> then I turned and walked quietly away. I felt a sort of wonder. This too was what it meant for there to be a queen in Buckkeep. <laughs> oh, Fitz. <laughs> he's with his wife, you idiot. <laughs> hey, dummy. <laughs> he just got married. Stupid as a post is right. <laughs> then he uh, climbs the stairs to his room, and in there it's stale, there's no fire, it's cold with disuse and dusty. No touch of a woman's hand here. It seemed as bare and colorless as a cell. But it was still warmer than a tent in the snow, and the feather bed was as soft and deep as I remembered it. Fell into it and f- fell asleep. And that's how we end the chapter. Yeah. A little, uh, little more self-pity to end off that chapter. Like, oh, nothing in my life that's warm. <laughs> Wish <laughs> I had a wife. Yeah. <laughs> Molly. <laughs> so we got, uh, we got back to Buckkeep finally. Mm-hmm. And a few chapters. You, like, maybe like... 20 less pounds on fists fits maybe 50 less pounds on fits <laughs> i don't think he could have lost 50 pounds <laughs> i don't think so either but but he definitely lost you know lost weight and he's still recovering a noticeable amount yeah he's weak he's definitely not very happy but he's kind of pleased to be back in Buckkeep itself i was gonna say i thought he ended happy besides a little self-pity moment but he ended pretty happy but yeah. uh a lot of this was like, oh, there's rumors of me being poisoned. Oh, I'm getting chastised. Oh, I guess. But there were, like, happy small moments of, like, oh, we're back in the stables. Beric, you're my dad. Ooh, this stew is real good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also, my Ooh. grandpa said that he's glad I'm safe. Yeah. Also, Ketrikin, that hottie's here, and she made, you know, the whole buckkeep <laughs> look nice. So that's cool. A world of difference. Yeah. Ugh. Pretty good chapter. Yeah. It's a little bit, not, I mean, not a ton happens, but it's a little insight to how Fitz is continuing to feel, but how people are perceiving him differently as he's growing up. Right. Um, Because, you know, this book really sparks a difference in that because he, he becomes that warrior. He becomes a hero of a battle and some dukes approach him. Mm hmm. And talk to him about like, hey, you know, you're you're a farseer. You're looking pretty kingly there, bud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you have anything to say to us, please shout at us anywhere on social media or through our email, isfitshappy at gmail.com. And uh, we'll uh, try to reach back out to you when we uh, 
check everything because sometimes, man, we forget messages <laughs> are there. Really sorry about that. I just saw one that was um, from like mid-September and recording this right at the end of September. So sorry about that. <laughs> we try to be good about it. Yep. Just so many places, you know? <laughs> ah, it's fun doing these. It is. Um, it's a lot of effort, but it's worth it, definitely. Yeah. As a nice little escape. So <laughs> thanks so much for listening. Catch you next week. Okay, so now we're going to get into um, some listener comments. Woo! <laughs> We can start it off with uh, some emails that we got. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is from Keith. Um, he's talking about our uh, our prologue episode for this book. Yeah. And um, I think we were talking about um, we can't imagine people diving into like the middle of a series mm -hmm. and he actually started with uh fool's assassin yeah which is crazy to me that's <laughs> but he continued to read so that's yeah. awesome i mean like, hey if you keep he, on reading good. he says he does he didn't even like like it because it was the audiobook and mm -hmm. i've he heard a lot of he likes the reader and, yeah, i've heard a lot of negative feedback on audiobook readers for this series actually i've heard i like uh, obviously from our conversation you can tell that we haven't listened to the audiobooks <laughs> yeah, but no sorry um, i've personally heard that the readers change like per trilogy and like mm -hmm. it's pronunciations are off and it's yeah. i don't know it's a little bit jarring but also we don't have official pronunciations for this book either, <laughs> true so, <laughs> um but yeah, he was also commenting on um, the Soldier Son series by Megan Lindholm, I believe it's by, um, mm -hmm. because that's also another synonym for Robin Hobb. I don't remember if it's Robin Hobb, technically, or if it's... Megan? I thought Megan, Megan. is her real name. Her son. I'm not sure, actually. Oh, it is by Robin Hobb. Oh, you were talking about who wrote the book. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but she does write under the name of Megan Lindholm as yes. well. Um, so it was done by Robin Hobb as well. Okay. Um, so this is another series. It's not we've we've had confirmation from Robin Hobb herself, I believe. Um, hearing, I remember hearing this somewhere that it is not related series. They are not the same mm -hmm. world or anything like that. But he mentions that there is uh, a very similar uh magic systems um there's various magics and like scrying and stuff is featured in soldier sun series yeah neither of us have read that series no um, i honestly now want to read it because scrying <laughs> is interesting to me um but it would be really interesting because he, he asked like maybe she thought that they were going to be connected at first and then just took the ideas a different way yeah and I honestly, I can't really speak with any expertise on it because I haven't read those. Yeah. Maybe I'll read the series and get back to you. <laughs> yeah. My first thought was um, going back to like the Megan Lynn Holman, Robin Hobb thing. Uh -huh. She seems to write with two different personalities depending on what pseudonym she puts it under. Right. So I was wondering like, oh, maybe if this is by Megan Lindholm, they uh -huh. were completely different or whatever and they were different realms. But yeah. since it's Robin Hobb, that 
does maybe make sense if they were similar to begin yeah, with. True. I don't know. Um, but that's a good thought. Yeah. We'll have to read Soldier Sun at some point. Neither of us have read it, so yeah, it'll be an interesting little dive in. The second one I want to mention here is from Stephen, and they're talking about the earring. Again, another conversation about this earring here. There's going to be a couple topics on this earring. Yeah, you can bring up the one right after this as well for that. Um, But it's talking about how the earring is a symbol of freedom to them. It, like, represents freedom, which is obvious. Like, the the grandmother bought her freedom, got Mm -hmm. this, purchased her and her family's freedom as well. And um, they really... Birk takes that idea in himself. So when he's wearing it and and what he associates it with and what he gives it to chivalry he's saying like you freed me from my beast-like tendencies i was struggling with the wits mm-hmm. like you taught me love respect gratitude all of these things right. you made me a man and made me be able to overcome these you know these these inner feelings that i had yeah so he really associates it with that kind of thing and um seeing it on fits reminds him of that obligation right and that feeling that he got from his relationship with chivalry of of them you know of him teaching Beric all of those things and what it is takes mm-hmm. to be a man and everything like that and Beric is reminded of that and it's like that promise that obligation that gratitude that promise never dies really i'm going to continue with that and that's why he thinks that loyalty is fully transferred over to fitz then and why he attaches so much meaning to it right which does make a lot of sense yeah it it fits in with a lot of the Mm -hmm. the stuff that we we're kind of dancing around right and i do put it yeah and i do like that explanation and um the thought of it's more of a symbol of a thing it's not necessarily the thing Mm -hmm. itself Um, i can get behind that idea a lot easier than i can behind earring means i agree (laughs) (laughs) true true um Um, yeah uh but also we had um a message or a comment on facebook from vanessa about the earring um and this is about how um they think that patients probably gave uh the earring to fits on purpose yeah and because she's so she's all about the little things delivered offhand but being full of thought to quote directly from the source um but they also mention that burek might have mentioned the earring the way that he did to kind of knock some sense into fits and that he was (laughs) choosing his words a little bit more carefully um to try to get the idea to fits of you are important and you were born of royalty and you need to be reminded of that. Yeah. And so knock him out of that self-pitying train again. Yeah. Try to see <laughs> that's pretty much Burek's life is yeah. like, hey. My angst. You're a son. good guy, Fitz. Like you're born of royalty. You're like, don't have to be so mm-hmm. so down on yourself. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it makes sense. Like I, we had this conversation before. It makes sense that patience could do that yeah but also in my head she's just so forgetful of certain things that i feel like <laughs> it would be funny if she's just like oh hey this one works yeah of course it would be this <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we 
We had a couple other Facebook comments, right? Yeah. I don't have them pulled up in front of me. I know. Sorry. I'm like trying to look through. Um, We did have Irene let us know that they're thankful that we cleared Chivalry's name. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) At least mostly. I'm still looking for that. Well, I'm not actively looking, but I will be looking forward to reading the quote of. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Where they're to exonerate him more. Yes. (laughs) Um, But we also got a message from Ellen on a previous chapter. This was for chapter 15 of Assassin's Apprentice. Um, And this is when Galen's skill commands fits to die. Yep. Um, And it's just talking about how uh, it's probably Galen's thought process behind why Fitz should die. That is the reason Fitz latches on to him being less than and worse yeah. than he actually is. Um, yeah, the the meaning of like the thought behind a command is also conveyed because the skill is so mental basically like mm-hmm. all of those feelings and all of those thoughts of the actual command are put yeah. in there. Yeah, which is um an interesting thing to point out and something that I think we mostly agree with. Um yeah. I mean, definitely agree with, but just kind of popped into my head right now. Um if that's the case, is that like what was the thought and feeling behind Chivalry's command to Galen? Was it like I because they were a bunch of kids and Galen was making him mad is like, oh, you can't do this. I am the prince. Like I am royal and like mm-hmm. whatever. Don't command me. You are loyal to me. And then Galen Everton in his mind is like he is this high standard and that's why Fitz is sullying him so much. Yeah, I wonder if it's a little bit of uh, chivalry kind of being a little too big for his britches. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But also um, also that he's angry that Galen is so mean to him when he doesn't like He's not even royalty just because his mom has royal blood technically does not make him royalty. His mom wasn't with the king. Therefore, he is just a random bastard. And there's probably some resentment there as well. And probably a little bit why Galen seems to have internalized the whole bastard should be thankful for their lot in life. <laughs> right. <laughs> so even if he outwardly does not project that, it seems to very much so inwardly affect mm-hmm. him. So maybe that was part of it. And one last comment here on Facebook is from Joel. And uh, he says, I forgot how traumatic most of this book is. The answer to the question, is Fitz happy, is no. <laughs> Other than about, like, one and a half chapters in the middle, which is, ooh, that's so true. This book is uh, pretty rough. Yeah. Um, He has some high moments besides, like, the Molly chapters. He, Mm -hmm. like, finds camaraderie in the soldiers and, you know, is fine doing that. But he also kind of, like, berserks in the blood and, Mm -hmm. like, the battle. Yeah, there's definitely some awful things about to happen. Yeah. There are some good parts, though. You know, night eyes and everything like that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, last thing I want to do is uh, shout out an Instagram page um, that follows us, and we follow them, and you should too, uh, by the name of Katrin Draws. So, at K A T R I N D R A W S. Yeah. There, it's watercolor. 
um, yeah, depictions. Uh, it was yeah, watercolor depictions of the books. Yeah, they're going through. Uh, I don't know if it's chapter by chapter. It's uh, just like roughly eight to fifteen per book. It seems yeah. like. And it's, they're really good, and they depict Fitz as a person of color, which is how um, Robin Hobb has said. By actual descriptions and things like that. Which is so nice to see. It's nice to see people or drawings of characters as they're actually described. I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of times we don't get that. Um, The art is beautiful. It's very colorful. It's... um as time progresses, it's awesome to see more like drama in the scenes mm-hmm. as yeah. it goes. On. I don't know. It's they're it's currently really cool. on the Golden Fool, I believe. Yeah. Um, and oh, it's just so good. I I love the art. I get yeah. whenever more comes out, I get excited. And I personally loved um the art that they that was recently put out of the live ship traders, just because I really enjoy that series. So it was cool to see those characters. Um, because I don't feel like there's a ton of art on um, that people do of characters from the live ship traders. Um, I typically see the most art of the Fool and Fitz and that grouping. And maybe I just haven't seeked it out enough. Um, but it's been cool to see Malta and um, <laughs> and Rain and the Cooper's family in general. And then also... Uh, you know, Althea and Brashen and the live shifts. And I just think it's fun. Um, it's a fun little uh, bright spot in a day. And then you get to, you know, support an artist by viewing their art. <laughs> the easiest way to support an artist. And last but not least, um, do want to thank uh, user JNLLBLL on Reddit who messaged us and was just thanking us for um you know putting out the podcast and saying that they enjoyed listening to ours and buckkeep radio's podcast because they love robin hobb so much mm-hmm. and have uh enjoyed these books for a long time and and really put so much feeling and really enjoy people seeing and hearing people get into the books as much as they like them so really appreciate the thoughts on there um because yeah. it's it's a nice escape for everyone so yeah Especially in these times, it's nice to have yeah something to go to and yes. <laughs> a fantasy world where right the bad things can't touch us. <laughs> exactly. So thank you to everybody who uh, reached out to us this week, yeah. or the last couple weeks, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and also thank you for everyone who listens. It's we really enjoy getting to spend time talking about a book we love to people who also love this series. So.